my wife asked me, that, why are you so hard? I said, dude, it was hard. I grew up in a family where there was a lot of losses. Drug dealer got a hold of me in Lake Charles, Louisiana when I was 15, became a habitual daily drug user. Then at 25, I started pulling myself out of it. In the last 35 years now has been me trying to figure out how to be the best version of myself, not by your standards, but by what I think I'm capable of. We set targets that are so below us, so small. The idea to become a millionaire is an adopted concept. It is a lazy man's or woman's dream. If you believe the middle class is the ultimate end goal, the holy grail of life, you're not going to do anything that I'm talking about. The middle class is built on budgets. It is built on adding and subtracting and wealth is created with division and multiplication. If you use this one principle, you are guaranteed to be rich. I've never... What is up, young and profiters? You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, where we interview the brightest minds in the world and unpack their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. I'm your host, Hala Taha. Thanks for tuning in and get ready to listen, learn, and profit. Grant, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. My pleasure. So, so happy to be here with you. I love what you're doing on your podcast and that you guys are top 10 all the time. Thank you so much. So today, Young and Profiters, I'm here with Grant Cardone. He's a world-renowned sales and marketing expert, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and author of several books, including his breakout hit, The 10X Rule. He's also the creator of 21 best-selling business programs, and he currently owns and operates seven privately held companies and a portfolio of over $4 billion in multifamily properties. He's also the founder of the 10X Movement, the 10X Growth Conference, which is the world's largest business and entrepreneur conference. And he's also currently one of the most prominent business influencers on social media. And Grant is going to be hosting a free five-day immersion program called the Unbreakable Challenge on January 24th, which is right around the corner. And I encourage everyone to sign up to learn how to recession-proof their business. Go to unbreakable2023.com to learn more. And in this episode, we're going to discuss Grant's come-up story. We're going to pick his brain on things like wealth generation, morning routines, his key life and business philosophies. And lastly, we'll go deep on how to be recession-proof and create an unbreakable business that thrives no matter the market condition. You grew up in a small town in Louisiana, and I learned that your father actually passed away when you were just 10 years old, and your oldest brother passed away just a few years later. So you were raised by a single mother. I could imagine that wasn't the easiest time. And after doing my research, it became really clear to me that you're a self-made man. And honestly, that made me respect you like 10x more, right? And so I'd love to learn about that time in your life, you know, your childhood, your teenage years. How did you grow up and what were some of the biggest life lessons that you learned? Yeah. So again, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, my life, you know, people ask me, my wife asked me, that, why are you so hard? I said, dude, it was hard. I grew up in a family where there was a lot of losses over a very short period of time. And then I started making bad decisions out of those losses as I carried them around with me. From the age of 15 to 25, my life, I went from having a middle-class life with a lot of love and a great family. My parents did everything kind of by the book and they did it right. And they didn't make any mistakes. I did started making very poor choices because I didn't have the right people in my life. 
I was a bit of an outcast, black sheep kind of rebel, didn't fit in kind of guy, didn't like school. I liked all the hot chicks in high school, but but I wasn't on the football team. So the football players didn't like me. So they beat me up all the time. I was literally in a fight once or twice a week. And that's created this kind of shell on Grant. And then a drug dealer got a hold of me in Lake Charles, Louisiana, when I was 15, introduced me to drugs. That would take me down the rabbit hole for 10 years. Became a habitual daily drug user. Didn't want to be, by the way. Nobody starts thinking, okay, I'm going to become a drug addict. But, you know, I made a lot of poor choices. And then at 25, I started pulling myself out of it and turning my life around. And the last 35 years now has been me trying to figure out how to be the best version of myself. Most of the time, having no idea how to do that. A lot of stumbling, the self-made thing. I mean, I'm not made by myself, but I'm certainly, I didn't have any debt, didn't have any connections. I didn't have banks to help me is what I mean with the debt. I didn't have credit cards. I was in debt. It's failed at seven jobs. A lot of people don't, they see me today and they're like, bro, you got it made. And I'm, I've been fortunate enough to be on stages with some of the most successful people on the planet, president, including presidents and super celebrities and really, really wealthy people. And, you know, all that is me kind of grinding up the food chain. The one thing I think, the one thing that has kind of saved me along the way is this divine discontent, never happy, never satisfied, always wanting to do better, this personal honesty, not cash register honesty. I'm talking about this personal honesty that I have about myself and about what I'm capable of doing, not by your standards, but by what I think I'm capable of. And so when you were growing up, you, like I mentioned, you had a single mother. What was your mindset about money? Because now, you know, one of your life's purposes is to help other people create wealth. And that's what you do. You're helping millions of people do that. So curious to understand, what was your mindset in terms of money when you were growing up? And how did that shift over time? Well, look, we were, I was brought up in the middle class, like I referenced earlier. And my mom was really proud of that. My dad died when I was 10. My mom was extremely proud that they had made it into the middle class because they came from poverty. I, on the other hand, viewed as a 10-year-old, 11 years old, 12 years old, 13. I'm collecting data all this time, Hallie. You know, I'm collecting data about how life is. We had a roof over our head. We had food. We had the things that everybody should be grateful of, that we should never take for granted. But also with that, my mom was scared constantly. I watched my mother terrified every day. And by the time I was 15, I'm like, if this is the middle class, if this is a good thing, I don't want it because it doesn't feel good to me. So I told my mom when I was 15 in a a moment of rebellious outrage, like a 15-year-old that's angry and doesn't have his dad or his older brother anymore. I'm like, I'm going to get rich one day. I had no clue, by the way, how I was going to do this. (laughs) I'm going to be rich one day. I told my mom, I'm going to be rich one day. And when I am, I'm going to help a lot of people. And that was really born out of this pain of this frustration of not having a dad Hmm. and then hoping my uncles or somebody was going to step in and guide me. And they didn't, you know, they had their own lives and hands full and their own families and be careful what you ask for. Right. Because I'm like, one day I'm going to help a bunch of people. And today I'm actually helping a lot of people. Yeah. It is the thing that kind of drives me today, that that thing that I came from and didn't have, that void, that vacancy, that emptiness is is kind of my purpose today. 
I love that. Super inspiring story. So let's talk about the middle class. You kind of brought it up and, and I heard on one of your videos that you were saying, you know, a lot of people think about being a millionaire. The American dream is like, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. But a million dollars doesn't really cut it anymore in 2023. Can you talk to us about what kind of goals we should set out for ourselves in terms of really becoming successful and being able to live a quality life in today's age? Well, look, if, if your, your idea is to be a millionaire, I've been through all these. I've gone from nothing to, I, I remember having my first million, 5 million, 10 million, 100 million, about 400 million, 800 million, billion dollars. I told you before this, I closed up over a billion four of browsers today, deals I'm working. <laughs> when I was 15 and 20 years old and 25, I never dreamed, I never dreamed it was possible. And that is where the problem starts. We set targets. And I'm going to say this to everybody that's watching you right now. We set targets that are so below us, so small. The idea to become a millionaire is an adopted concept. It is a lazy man's or woman's dream. I'm going to be a millionaire. That's somebody else's idea. You haven't even thought it through yet. A million dollars is no money. Literally, I know you'll probably get a bunch of hate on this. I just did a video. I don't know if you saw it about if you make 400 grand a year, I don't know how you feel good about yourself as a husband and a father. (laughs) Well, freaking internet went crazy. Everybody went crazy. What's wrong with him? What about the military and the policemen and the firemen and the single mom and the waiter and the waitress? I'm like, what about them? There's no money left over. Okay. If you do the math on money, this is why I tell people never get advice from a millionaire. Because when you go from nothing to a million, the first thing you do is you go into conservation. The millionaire becomes a scared person. If you read the book, like I did, The Millionaire Next Door, uh, when I finished reading that book, it was a super, super successful book. And it suggested that to become a millionaire, you need to not brew your own coffee, don't go to Starbucks, and you need to buy a used truck. Mm. When I got finished reading that book, I'm like, I am not going to be a millionaire. (laughs) I know this. When you study the most successful people on this planet, they're not talking about where they brew their coffee at home. They do whatever they want to do. They're probably coffee espressos on their plane, by the way. And they're definitely not buying used trucks. Okay. They're buying whatever the hell they want because spending is not the problem. It is for the middle class. And the reason spending for the middle class is a problem is because they're, they've taken their attention off of income and put it onto a budget. And a budget is a defense, a defensiary position. It does not put points on the board. You cannot save your way to wealth. You cannot save your way to freedom. You cannot save your business. You cannot save your brand. The only way to save anything, true prosperity and affluence come from expansion and risk-taking, not from saving. The middle class is built on budgets. It is built on adding and subtracting, and wealth is created with division and multiplication. I love what you're saying. You're basically saying, like, don't worry so much about saving. Worry about creating wealth and income generation, like get more income in, don't necessarily just penny pinch and think that's going to make you a millionaire. Yeah. Cash flow king. I love it. So look, like most people, we go to school, which the whole college thing is just another middle-class trap. You're giving up your most valuable thing, time and trading it for debt. Another terrible thing for you. If you just looked at it from a business, the ROI on college is awful. Unless you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a politician and become president of the United States, the return on college is is pretty dismal. We're not taught expansion. We're taught contraction. Saving money is a contraction concept. No one ever went broke because they didn't save enough money. 
No one ever went broke, by the way, because they spent too much. People go broke because their income stops. If you're earning more income than you're spending, then you're always going to be fine, particularly if it's passive income, not earned income. School is to teaching us how to get a job and how to get some money, but they never teach us what to do with the money and how to get money to multiply. So the ultimate goal of wealthy people, for all your listeners, the ultimate goal of wealthy people is not to have income at all. It is to have passive income that is not earned, but that comes from investments. Cash flow, not cash, is more valuable than cash because cash goes down in value. And as it goes to zero, and it will, you want to replace that with assets that go up in value and that spit off little bits of cash so that you live off the cash flow and never touch the capital or the asset. So while we're talking on this topic, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions about saving. Something that I learned that was really interesting is that you call saving storing money. And I thought that was a really interesting way of phrasing it. Can you explain why? Yeah, so my mom saved money her whole life until she passed. She was still saving money the day she died. And money is useless until it is used. A billionaire taught me this. He's like, Grant, your money's worth nothing until it is put to use. And the people that create tremendous wealth are are taking pieces of paper, garbage pieces of fiat paper that only have as much value as the people have confidence in. And they're basically taking that paper and converting it to something else that is more valuable than the paper. So I was 31 years old. I'd been storing money, not saving it. I was storing it so that one day I could make an investment in something where it would, it would multiply itself, where it would have babies. Mm-hmm. I wanted my ben, ben Franklin to have little ben, Benjamins. <laughs> I kept storing money until I was certain about an investment. And I made my first investment. My first real investment was $350,000. I bought a $2 million piece of real estate with it. That piece of real estate earned me $5 million of profit in three years. That was more money than I had made in the previous 20 years. In any business, any earned income, any job that I've ever worked at, one investment paid me more money in a shorter period of time than I had earned in 20 previous years of earned income. And it was a non-taxable event, by the way. Mm. It made me a multimillionaire, but it came with no tax consequence, which was like I just stumbled across this concept. I didn't know that was going to happen, but it was because of the class of investments I was in. So basically what I was doing was trading time for money at my two jobs. I had two jobs at the time. I'm 28, 29, 30 years old, storing all this money up like a squirrel, like going out, getting nuts for the wintertime, knowing that one day I'm going to use these nuts for something else. and. I was studying real estate on the weekends, and that was kind of a side hustle for me. There's this thing I do where I never trade paper for paper. I never trade paper for another piece of paper, stock certificate, a bond. I never trade for anything. I trade paper for something more valuable than the paper. And for me, that could be me investing in myself. I'm always more valuable than the thousand bucks. Anything I spend on myself is more valuable. Number two, I could be the business that I'm working in to make my business better. Or number three, once my business is going well and I'm doing well, then I want to I store money to put it in something that converts paper to an asset that produces cash flow. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. 
But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me. I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room, even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Yeah. I think that's that's really good advice. And it's funny because today you're flying around in a private jet grant. Everybody knows that like you have a lot of money and you're like a little bit flashy, right? But to my surprise, you were really frugal. And that's sort of how you got your first million. You know, you had a million in the bank, but you know, you were not rocking really fancy clothes or fancy car for a while. So talk to us about how you got to your first million And today, like, even though you seem flashy, after researching you and listening to more videos and really getting to know you, you're actually like naturally pretty frugal. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. So too frugal, by the way, I was too frugal, but it it did put me in a position to learn discipline. So when my friends were all buying a Rolex or a BMW or going on vacation, I wasn't like nobody knew I was rich until I was about 45 years old. People were like, hey, what are you doing? I never, ever rented a a private plane. I've never been on a private plane until I bought my own plane. But this is years, 25 years of me making investments. I wasn't saving money. I mean, I was being frugal to some degree just because I personally would never spend earned income. This is something that will, if you use this one principle, you are guaranteed to be rich beyond anything you've ever imagined. I've never spent earned income to improve my standard of living. So earned income, if I make 100,000 and I have 40,000 left over, the whole 40,000 gets stored. Anything extra, I store that to invest. I only can only buy a Rolex when I have passive income. Mm. I can only buy a BMW when I have passive income. So I have these little rules that I put in on myself that I believed if I would use these rules, they would make me wealthy one day. I just didn't know how wealthy. I had no idea, to be honest with you. But I was so disciplined. I have great work ethic. That's one thing I have that nobody can take away from me. I work every day, long, 
long beyond the point where I need to. And then when I work, I should get rewarded. When I get rewarded, I took that money, stored it. So everybody just thought I was just a hard worker. The where I lived didn't change. The car I drove didn't change. The suits I wore didn't change. I didn't wear Rolexes. Like I didn't do any of that stuff. When my life changed, I think I had, I was married. We had just sold a home to get equity out of. It was 2008. We pulled the equity out of the house. It was the first real house I'd had, but it was really an investment. And I pushed all that money into a, a real estate transaction. And my wife and I rented. We had a baby on the way. It was 2010. And the world had come to an end. I'm like, this is never going to happen to me again. And so we really 10 x if you will, these concepts I had been kind of working with for 20 years. Yeah. And so we were very frugal. My wife did wasn't buying Chanel. She wasn't buying any of that stuff until passive income came in that was dependable and indestructible. And that's money that I'm not earning because it's money that's coming in because I made a decision. I signed a document and said, okay, I'll buy this asset. And that asset then starts producing passive income over long periods of time, upon which then I can use whatever it is, 600 bucks a month of passive income. I can use that to go or 6,000 or 60,000 or 600,000 a month, then I can start doing dumb stuff. How much dumb stuff can you do? You can do as much dumb stuff as your passive income. I love it. I feel like that's such great advice. Don't spend your earned income, only spend your passive income. I mean, super brilliant advice. So you mentioned the recession and maybe this is a good time to kind of pivot into that in the conversation. You and Elena, Elena actually came on my show pretty recently and I learned that you guys really pivoted your life at the point of the 2008 recession. You guys sort of dominated when everybody else was dying, right? And so I'd love to understand how you approached the recession differently. And then we can talk about the 2023 recession and what we can do. Yeah, we're definitely going into a big one. And this could be bigger than 08. But the problem with recessions is people deny them for so long. We're in one right now. We've been planning, planning for this since February of last year. So I'm already so far ahead of most people. What happens with a contraction? A recession is basically a contraction, okay? It's the same amount of money exists in the environment. It's just everybody got lost confidence. And so money doesn't move. Money needs to move. For an economy to be good, money has to circulate. And the faster it circulates, the more more confidence it gives people, right? Well, in a contraction, everything gets stodgy and slows down. People quit spending. People quit spending money on advertising. Marketing, branding, expansion, locations, employees, everything. They just stop. So what happens is if you have the courage, by the way, courage is the greatest currency on planet Earth. It is the greatest asset of all assets, particularly if you could combine it with some vitamin C with some vitamin D, some discipline. (laughs) So if you can take courage and discipline, you become a threat during a contraction because, because people have lost their courage. And because they've lost their courage, they lose their work ethic. They believe there's no reason to go to work except to work, to keep their head above water, if you will, survival. And so during contractions, like like you wouldn't even know me if it was not for the 2008, 9, and 10 contraction. My whole life was built over the last 10 years because of a contraction and because I used courage when everybody else went to the to recess, if you will. Everybody tapped out. I know some people that said, I'm just going to. I'm going to go to the sidelines for, for the next year or two until this passes. That's when we doubled down. We actually 10X everything. I told my wife in 2010, do not spend any money on anything, nothing, zero. 
I had some college debt. I quit paying it down. Like everything stopped. Everything stopped so we could basically put all our assets together and use them for something else. So we stopped everything over here so that we could put all, we could make big bets on expansion. I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm preparing to, to make the biggest expansion I've ever had. I believe 2023 and 2024 will be the greatest wealth redistribution on planet Earth. And this time, unlike 2008, 9, and 10, this time, the little guy, the everyday guy could actually benefit. The people that are in most of trouble, if you take the 2008 debacle, that was basically everyday people, pizza delivery guys buying houses and strippers and Everybody was buying single family homes, five and six of them, and they couldn't, they got stuck. This cycle is not that. This cycle is that times a thousand X because these were big, giant companies buying lots of apartment buildings or developing apartment buildings that have gotten cracked. This is not in the news yet. Nobody knows this is happening. I happen to know it because that's the space I play in. This is going to be historic orders of magnitude of a problem, if your audience is paying attention, they could create more wealth in the next two to five years than you would in five lifetimes. Yeah, it's so it's scary, honestly, but at least you're putting out this challenge. Like I mentioned, guys, it's on January 24th and uh, you can go to unbreakable2023.com to learn more. Grant, let's talk about the rules of business and how it actually changes during a recession. I think this is really interesting and I'd love to understand maybe what you predict in 2023 in terms of how we can pivot and kind of dominate instead of, like you said, just kind of pulling back. How do we lean in? Yeah. So I just tell you what we do, right? What I do over my place, I have these little, these little things. I'm like, like making cookies. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. First thing is you assess your liabilities and your assets. Everybody has them. Everybody's got liabilities. Everybody's got assets. Even a broke person has liabilities and assets, okay? The people in your life, the things that you own, the decisions that you've made, those are liabilities and assets. This is, motivation will not get you through this cycle. You cannot stay so excited above the amount of negative news you're about to hear. The amount of negative news you're going to hear in this cycle, data, facts, companies failing, people being laid off, uh, banks failing, maybe some of the biggest names in the world. Like imagine some of those names failing again. That, that's going to happen in this cycle. And when that happens, it is impossible to be like, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to get through it. Okay. Maybe for a second, that's going to wear off. Like you're going to do this. And the next thing you got to do is like, I need some money. I need a customer. Nobody's buying, nothing's happening. And you're going to hit reality. You need a strategy now. So the first thing I do is accept acceptance. Like you want to just accept where we're at. We're already in a recession. There's a reason the government isn't telling anyone. They're going to delay this message. But the big guys are already making their moves right now. They have been since February. They want the average everyday person to be asleep. They benefit by you being on your sofa, just being entertained and not taking it seriously. They're threatened by 300 million people rising up, being pissed off about this redistribution happened. And being angry is not going to help either. Protest does not make money. It makes TV money. So first thing I do is I assess what are my assets and what are my liabilities? What does that mean? It means I, I look at everything that every decision I have made in my life, including people, draw a line down a piece of paper, assets, liabilities, 
and start looking at what was an asset that is now a liability. Is there any of these liabilities that could be assets? Is there something I bought that I need to get rid of? And I assess these from one to five. Five is you get rid of it for sure. Three is probably get rid of it. Four is yes, you should, but you're attached to it. Ones and twos you keep. So I just go through, write all this down, including people. And I start moving things from liabilities. I get get rid of them and get down to my assets. Now I'm going to focus only on my assets. And now I'm going to look at, okay, what am I going to do in 2023 to get rid of this garbage and then to double down or even 10x my assets? This is a very difficult thing for people to confront. It's more than just a kind of a mindset. This is a mindset with books. Got it. Now, I've done that already. I've already, I did this back in March of last year. So I'm already starting to accumulate assets in order to go acquire more assets. Now I need a plan. Okay, how do I market my plan to my target? I have a target audience. You're part of my target audience. Okay, I accomplished this today with you. This is collaboration marketing because I'm collaborating with you to get a message out. Anybody can do what I'm doing. This is not very complicated. You definitely don't need to go to college for it. In five days, you could be an expert. So five things I'm going to do. First, I'm going to fix my, my where, where am I going? What am I doing in 2023? I'm assessing my liabilities and assets. Two, I'm going to market this idea to the public. I'm going to work out my branding and my marketing idea. We spend a whole day on doing this. Third thing is, how do I start monetizing this immediately? Not three months from now, not next weekend. I'm, I'm talking about monetize ideas today. No product creation. I don't need to finish a book to actually get money for a book. I don't actually have to have a product to actually get money. We'll show you exactly how to monetize. I'm monetized faster than any human being on planet Earth today, except maybe for Elon. A lot of what I do, by, by the way, I've learned watching Elon Musk. And the fourth thing I'll do is how do I scale that? How do I scale that message out so that it starts becoming something automatic and organized? Yeah. Well, Grant, you are like one of the biggest marketing gurus, business influencers out right now. Um, And since you touched on it just a little bit ago, I'd love to kind of understand your strategy for social. I had Alex Hermosi on and he mentioned that he actually did some private calls with you before he blew up. And he, he said that you taught him basically how to dominate on social media. And so I'd love to kind of learn maybe some of the things that you shared with Alex on that call in terms of how you were able to kind of just take over. I mean, you're everywhere. Well, that, the first thing is to be everywhere. It's not about six pieces of content every day. It's about make sure you are on multiple platforms every day. There's a word in the dictionary called omnipresence. Omnipresent means to be everywhere all at the same time. Anything that can accomplish everywhere all at the same time will be assigned uh, the designation of powerful. Male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. Anything that can be, can accomplish the concept of being everywhere all at one same time will be assigned altitude or power. Mm. Uh, being in one place at one time is, it, okay, yeah, so you're in one place, but the problem is you're, you're in one place, okay, and the audience is kind of limited. So today with technology, this is so much easier than it was when I was growing up because it was almost impossible to be everywhere. Look, I could be on YouTube right now. I'm on YouTube right this second dropping a live video. I got shorts going, longs going, Instagram, we just posted on. We can do stories there as well. I can do a story with you right now. I'll be on Twitter. I'll be on Twitter spaces at least twice today. Uh, We'll be on TikTok, Snapchat. I'll be on TikTok until the government kills it. 
And then I'm also going to do billboards, speaking gigs. I'm having a personal one-on-one meeting today with a group. I'll have a phone call. I'll go back to old school stuff and do phone calls today. And somebody's going to say, man, I saw you do this interview with so-and-so last week. They talked about you, me, me doing that thing with Alex. You're talking about it today. This is the concept of how many different tentacles can I put into society? So wherever you go, you see me. Do I need to buy an ad or could, you, could it just be organic? I'm willing to do both of those. So networking through marketing is a very easy concept. Once people have the proper size target, like if your target is just to keep doing what you've been doing, you will not do anything that I'm talking about right now. If you believe the middle class is the ultimate end goal, the holy grail of life to save a little money, have a retirement account, pay your house off and put your kids through college, you're not going to do anything that I'm talking about. But if you wanted to create massive amounts of wealth in a lifetime, which I'm interested in, by the way, we have 16 companies today worth about $3 billion, $4 billion worth of real estate. I've raised a hundred, I've raised $1 billion in cash over the internet and sold a billion dollars worth of products and services. And nobody even knows me. So Andrew Tate, he's known by more people than I am and he's in jail today. So I don't want to go to jail to get known. I need to figure out how to do something that's that I'm proud of for my daughters and my wife and myself and still get known. Mm. And I'll just tell everybody, you won't do it if you have small goals. You will not do what Gary Vaynerchuk suggests if you have tiny goals, because there's no reason. You don't need to do this if you just want to get by or you just want a million dollars. That's why millionaires will never give you this advice. Yeah. Elon's on every day. Elon's on. Warren's, Warren, when Warren in his prime was doing TV every single day. That was the social media of the day. Bill Gates, if people actually liked him, he would be extremely more powerful than he is, which is terrifying. But he can't hold an audience long enough. Mm. Wealthy people have known this for years. Networking, okay? They all hang with one another. They hang with people that can lift them because of their finances and their assets and their connections. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out, Shopify. (coughs) Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage. And even the, did we just hit a million orders stage? And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick, ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And you can sell whatever, whenever with Shopify. Push pleated pants with Shopify's in-person POS system or monetize mindful meditation. I sell my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass through Shopify and they've made my life a breeze. It took a couple days to set up my store and I just get to focus on what I do best, creating great content and marketing my product. So don't stress if you're new to this commerce thing. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting, and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. I want to talk to all you employers out there, and let's talk about company culture. At Yap Media, we have a super unique company culture. We are all obsessed with excellence, and we even call ourselves this really cute name, Scrappy Hustlers. We're all scrappy hustlers at Yap Media. And my team is growing fast. And hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are going to roll up their sleeves. But luckily, when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate because I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed's matching engine always presents me with a pool of high quality candidates that match my job description to a T. If you're tired of drowning in your hiring pool, Indeed is here to rescue you. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging your candidates, making the entire hiring process a breeze. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've hired some of my best employees at Indeed, some of my best scrappy hustlers. With over 140 million qualifications and preferences analyzed every day, Indeed is constantly learning from your hiring preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at actually hiring your perfect match. Join the ranks of more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that have already chosen Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to Indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that by 2030, over 85% of the jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? And that's why we need to acquire new skills and stay relevant and adaptable. By embracing lifelong learning, we can future-proof our careers and our businesses. That's why you've got to check out Economist Education. Economist Education provides online executive education courses tailor-made for professionals just like us, crafted by The Economist's own editors and special experts. Economist Education courses are designed to sharpen your professional skills in key areas like data storytelling, critical thinking, sustainability, and so much more. I highly recommend checking out the Economist Education course, Business Writing and Storytelling. It's packed with valuable practical advice on how to inform and persuade through writing reports, social media, presentations, and beyond. The best part, these courses are online, flexible, and self-paced, lasting anywhere from two to six weeks. You're guided by expert tutors. You'll dive into a mix of videos, podcasts, texts, quizzes, and weekly assignments. Plus, you'll get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. Economist Education provides access to online forums where you can network with peers around the globe. In a world where knowledge is power, Economist Education empowers you to lead the way. Economist Education is an incredible way to stay ahead in business. And I've got a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course only available by going to my special URL, education.economist.com profiting, and then enter the promo code profiting at registration. This offer ends on March 31st, so don't wait. For 15% off, go now to education.economist.com slash profiting and use code profiting. Again, this ends on March 31st. If you want 15% off, you've got to go to education.economist.com slash profiting and use promo code profiting at registration. 
Yeah. I think a lot of people are scared about investing in social media, whether that's money or their time. What are your thoughts on that in terms of investing in yourself to grow your brand? Yeah, I think people are more scared than the money. Again, if you thought you were going to become a billionaire because of it, you'd probably do it. Yeah. There's some number at which a person would walk on glass. Now, I know there's people out there say, oh, money doesn't motivate me. Trust me, there's some number. There's some number at which if you thought you could get it, you'd stop everything you're doing right now. And even if you didn't want the money, you want it for someone. There's someone in your life that you love. I mean, if none of this gets your attention, I can't imagine you're, why, why they would even follow Young and Profiting. Well, I follow here. Anybody, your audience is going to be like, okay, there is a number. Now, my audience likes money. <laughs> totally. There's a number at which you would walk on glass. If you knew you were going to get it, if you were guaranteed, that's why I think people don't market because they're not sure they're going to get it. They're quitting before they start. You're actually telling, you're telling the universe of attraction, if that, if that exists, you're telling it, yeah, I want it, but I'm not really willing to do whatever it takes. And so the universe is not going to accommodate. The universe knows I'm serious. Yeah. Dude, my enemies, people that don't like me, they even say privately. I don't like him. I don't like his style. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way he's raw. Bro, that guy will not stop until he gets what he wants. So, and most importantly, I know that. Okay, it's not that other people need to know that. I need to know that so that when I go into an adventure, I'm I'm not going to stop till I get through the woods. So the other thing I'll say is this, like people should take a little test. Would you rather a million dollars? You're broke. You have nothing. Would you rather a million dollars or a million friends? And when I say a million friends, I'm talking about friends that will help you. What would you rather have? A million dollars in cash right now or one million friends? Hands down, one million friends. Dude, you want a million friends, right? Because even if you can only, they just hadn't done the math. 76% of the people will say they want the million dollars right now. I've done this poll to 35,000 people. 76% of the people, almost every time I do it, 74, 75, 76 will say, I want that million dollars and I want it right now. The reason why most people want the million is they don't know how to convert 5% of the audience. 5% of a million people is 50,000. If they give me a hundred bucks, that's 5 million. I 5X the million. Yeah. If I could get them to do that every month, it's 60 million. So if you answer the question, I want my million dollars, it just costs you $59 million to take that money. Yeah, people don't realize how lucrative being a social media influencer can be because I'm one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. That's where I grew my brand and that's where everything spawned for me, like my podcast, my business, my clients. Now, no matter what happens, I call it my insurance policy. No matter what happens, I, I can get a job, get a client, make money so much more easily than if I wasn't an influencer. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's amazing that you've done that with LinkedIn. That's the one I didn't even mention earlier, probably why I haven't done so well with it. But it's the one that we have not been the most successful with. Or Twitter, by the way. I was being shadow banned on Twitter for f- the last five years. So I could never grow it. I didn't know I was being shadow banned until Elon took it over. And I don't think the people at LinkedIn like me either. I can probably help you. I'm running almost all the influencer channels Please, on so. LinkedIn. So I have, a, I have a social media agency and I know all the hacks. So it's just any, like any social platform. Yeah. They wouldn't make me an influencer and it hurt my feelings. I'm like, how am I not an influencer? 
I mean, you don't need to be in the the program to go viral. It's like any other social media platform. There's an algorithm that you just need to know how how it works, and you need to know how you know. I need your help. I need to hire you to help me with that. All right. We'll figure it out. Perfect. Okay, so we're running out of time here because I promised I would get you out five minutes before you had to leave. Let's talk about one of your key mottos before we close, and I want to talk about your morning routine as well. Okay. Let's start with your morning routine. You were talking about goals before. So let's, I guess, stay in the flow of goals. I learned that you write your goals down every single morning. And I was really inspired by that. I want to do the same thing moving forward. So I'd love for you to talk about your morning routine because you've obviously obviously figured something special out there. So look, on a perfect day, I'm not the 4.30 in the morning guy, but I do like to beat the sun up. And I do like to get sleep too. Sleep is very valuable to me. Eight or nine hours is like, I'm not the guys, I did four hours, was not good for me. I create a lot better results for myself and for my customers and my expansion when I have sleep. But I'd like to beat the sun up. There's something about that morning, the sun breaking in the morning. There's no science behind this, but it just makes me feel like, shit, I got a little head start. I got the beat big boy coming up. There's some optimism that comes with me beating the sun up. And then the second thing I do is I keep a legal pad with me all the time. I'll have one of these old-fashioned legal pads. Like, I go through hundreds of them in a year, and I just write my goals down. It takes me, I could literally do it right now in 45 seconds. These are short, abbreviated, $50 billion in real estate. Happy wife and kids. Like, it could be just HW plus Ks. $150 million in donations. Like, whatever, 150M donations. Like I'm just doing it extremely fast and there's no mechanics ever. I do that in the morning and I do that again before I go to sleep at night. And there's one other time I do it. This is magic. It's been magic for me for 30 years. No clue how I'm going to accomplish it. Don't know the right people. I don't have the engineering. I don't have the money, nothing. And I just write it down like I'm going to do it. The third time I do it each day is when I have a failure or loss or a disappointment. So probably two times or three times a week when I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed at least 150 times a year, by the way. Every year still today, like, oh, God dang, I didn't get what I wanted, you know? Then I'm going to go back and write down where I'm going because the disappointment is not the target. Your audience is going to find that you could spend two and three and four days in a disappointment only to find out that's not where I'm going. That was not the goal. The goal was not to be disappointed. The goal was to move through disappointment until you could get whatever your thing is or things. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to go to the office and the office is going to tell me what to do every day. You guys that are CEOs and bosses, yeah, good try. Ain't no such thing. You're always working for somebody else. You can get your little t-shirt, you get your little shirt, boss girl or whatever you want to get, but there's no such thing. You don't want to be a boss. You want to be an investor. I don't want to be the CEO. I want to be the investor. I want to invest in things. I want to invest time in people. I want to invest in projects and I want to return. I don't want to be the boss. I don't care who the boss is. So I'd rather somebody else be the boss and I'm I'm the investor. Let them be the boss. One example real quick. uh, The guy that runs uh, Coca-Cola last year made $52 million. Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett, the investor, made $508 million. Wow. Be an investor, not a boss. I eat three or four times a day. You know, I get a workout in every day. Every day I try to get a workout in. I'll do that 320 days this year. I'll miss 30 days maybe and don't like to miss those. And the rest of the time I I do what's called 365GC. 
What's that? That's I get to be me 365 days of the year. <laughs> You're the best, Grant. I love your energy. I swear. I feel like a lot of people, like you mentioned before, like there's a lot of hate, like you're so loved by so many people, but I feel like you get so much like unnecessary hate and like you're just such a good person who's putting out such good work in the world. And I just want to thank you for that and just let you know that like the more that I learn about you, the more that I'm like, why do people even have, like, I don't see how anybody could find anything negative about you, to be honest. Well, thank you. I mean, I can see why people find many, many things negative because, you know, <laughs> the funny thing about the haters is by the time they said it, like I knew it was wrong two weeks ago when I did it. I've had to apologize to people so many times in my life. I just got a shirt that said, I apologize in advance. <laughs> Look, the truth is I always say it the wrong way. I don't sugarcoat it. I destroy the English language. I've had my first book, Seller Be Sold, was a best-selling book. Sold hundreds of thousands of copies with probably 300 grammar errors. Like, I can't even say grammar right. I don't say roof right. I don't say <laughs> Sunday right. I don't, like, but so what? Like, I know I've never tried to be perfect. I've never, ever presented to anyone I'm anything other than just me. And when you get loud, people are going to be like, that's too much including family members. But I would rather the hate than no attention at all. Yeah. When people ignore you, let's say there's somebody who needs help in your life and they're ignoring the help you offer. That is the worst feeling there is in the world. I'd rather be, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't need to fix this. I'd rather my, my family member do that because I'm insisting on helping them than them ignoring that I'm helping them. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think you're doing amazing work in the world. So to close out this interview, Grant, can you tell us one actionable thing our young and profiters can do to become more profiting tomorrow? Tomorrow, what you need to do is you need to write down your goals for 2023, whatever they are. And then when you're done, go back and multiply them all by 10, the number 10. And what is your secret to profiting in life? That's the last question we ask all of our guests. Uh, you look, understand that everything's an investment. Everything you do is an investment. Every word, I mean, everywhere I go, everything I do, I'm trying to create some effect, some positive effect in the world. Even when I trash on people, the Andrew Tate thing. Uh, I mean, the whole world is supporting this guy right now. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. Good. Would you want your daughters hanging out with him? Let's do that poll. The same people that said he deserves to be let out and he's doing good things. Good. You want your daughters hanging out with him? How about your sons? You know, if I had a son, I don't know if he's going to be alpha boy. Not everybody's alpha. Not everybody's meant to be uh, driving, uh, you know, beast force. That's not the only way people can be successful on this planet. So, look, I'm always trying to create an effect, man. Create effects. Everything you do is an effect. You could be creating a lazy effect. You can create a freaking dynamic effect. You can make difference for the good or you can make difference for the bad. But I would just encourage everybody to go make a difference. And if you screw it up and you make a difference for the negative, then go clean that up and make a difference for the good. Gold right there. So let's uh, talk about your unbreakable challenge, five-day challenge, January 24th to the 28th. Who's going to be there and what are people going to learn? You're going to be there and I'm going to be there and that's all that matters. And I'm going <laughs> to spend five days with you and I promise you, there's going to be a million people on this event. There'll be a million people. And I am going to show people how to walk through and guarantee that 2023 is the single best year you've ever had in your career. And you will look back and say, this was my pivot year. 
This is the year when you will become who you were meant to become. You will clarify that message. You will clarify your goals. You will learn how to market like I do, like a beast on all platforms with no spending, by the way. The first nine years I marketed, I didn't spend one penny in advertising. And then how to monetize that marketing and scale it with operations. If you're a single mom, I'll show you how to do this. End of the year, you could have 100 employees if you wanted. I mean, guys, it's a free event, five days with Grant. I mean, it's a no-brainer. So go to unbreakable2023.com to learn more. And I'll stick the link in the show notes. Grant, thank you so much for your time today. It was such a pleasure. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. Young and profiters, I've been waiting for Grant Cardone to come on this podcast for years now. And I said this during the interview, and I'm going to say it again. I don't really understand the hate that Grant gets, to be quite honest. And I have to say, there's a saying called, never meet your idols, right? And after interviewing so many people that I looked up to, there's a reason why this saying exists. It's because it's true. And a lot of the time, I'm super hyped to interview someone and they end up being arrogant, rude, low energy, and just not what I expected, but not Grant. When I met Grant on camera, off camera, he was sweet, he was kind, and I can tell he just wants to help people. Grant is a marketer at heart. So I believe that what people see on social media that's brash or flashy, this is a marketing tactic that has worked. This is why Grant is at the top. And so Grant gets to laugh his way to the bank, I guess. And while I don't align with him necessarily on things like politics, from a financial, real estate, and business standpoint, I am all ears for Grant Cardone. I'm a big fan. And Grant and his wife, Elena, are winning. By the way, I just had Elena Cardone on the show. She is a boss babe. And that episode is going to be released soon. I'm super excited. And I've been doing a lot of back-to-back power couple episodes. I just interviewed Layla and Alex Hermosi, who's another super badass couple in business. And I'm recently single. And I must say, I'm feeling thankful to have had these interviews because it is very inspiring. And my future partner has big shoes to fill because I'm trying to be on the Cardone Hermosi level, if you know what I mean. So like we talked about in this episode, 2023 is not looking too hot for the economy. So if you're looking to recession-proof your business and even expand your business during the next economic crisis, I would definitely recommend to sign up for Grant's free five-day challenge. Go to unbreakable2023.com to learn more. And if you listen, learned, and profited, share this episode with your friends and family. Spread the word about Young and Profiting Podcast. Let's spread this podcast through word of mouth. You guys have the power to do it and drop us a five-star review on Apple. Nothing makes me happier than to read your reviews. I read them every single day. And you guys can also find me on social media, on Instagram at yapwithhala or LinkedIn. You can find me by searching in my name. It's Hala Taha. And I want to shout out my Yap team. Thank you for all of your hard work. I appreciate what you guys do for me day in, day out, behind the scenes. I really appreciate what you guys do for me and our listeners. This is your host, Halataha, signing off until next time. 